Hi, I'm Michelle Brooks. Welcome to Endo Matters. This is a podcast that helps women with endometriosis get in control of their condition, no longer letting it control them. I'll be asking you, the listener, what help you would like and giving you tips on how you can live a better life with endo. After all, endo does matter. Hello listeners and welcome to this month's episode of Endo Matters. In this show, um, I've got a guest speaker on for you today and we're going to cover a subject that many people have been talking about and many people have been asking me questions on, which is the menopause. So it's going to be an interesting one and I'm sure that lots of us are going to learn a lot of new things today. Just before I introduce Jackie, I'm just going to give you a little bit of a brief bit of information about how we actually met. Um, So I'm an ambassador for an organisation called Women Empowering Women, or WOO for short. It's basically a group of women that um, help other women with certain issues in their life or offer them advice and and just give something back, really. So the group of ambassadors that we are, um, there's about, I think, about 40 of us now. And we come from all different walks of life, from different ages and we all do various things for a living. And what, what we do is just offer women something um, concrete that will help them in a certain area. So, for instance, I obviously work with women with endometriosis. Jackie, who I'm going to introduce you to in a little moment, deals with um, helping women with menopause. And then we've got other women that do things like help with women who have no children, you know, um, dealing with um, the loss of not being able to conceive. Um, and just different various women that offer holistic help, basically. And this is a non-profit organisation and we do events. We offer um, a website that covers all these um, aspects of, of life. And again, it's just about us as professionals giving back to other women. And this is where I met Jackie. And we had a, a chat quite recently and I just knew that I needed to get her on the podcast Because although I've been doing a lot of research into menopause and I can offer some kind of indication of help to women that I come across that are going through this, I'm not a a particular expert in the area. So I just wanted to get Jackie on to offer her expertise in this area. So hello, Jackie. How are we doing today? Hello. Good, thank you. Thanks for inviting me. Exciting. Pleasure. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show and I'm really excited about the the topics we're going to cover today. So... Jackie, just explain to us how you kind of got into this area of working, what you do. Um, well, I'll, I'll do the short story because I'll be here all <laughs> podcast if I do the whole thing. Um, <laughs> so I wasn't always a health and fitness coach. I used to be an accountant and I um, had five miscarriages from the age of 35 to 41. Um, I eventually... Um, got pregnant and had my girl and it was I kind of decided then I'm not sitting on my kind of butt doing nothing anymore or no it wasn't doing nothing my kind of life but I've been on a bit of hold that scenario of oh I can't do that I can't do this what if I'm pregnant can't go skiing don't want I didn't you know I didn't even have a 40th birthday party so she was born and I kind of felt like I had this new lease of life of right I'm going to do what I want to do I've always loved health and fitness I've always had a passion for it so I went and did my um, level two kind of gym uh, instructor and then did my uh, level three personal training and I started training a few people locally in the parks. And after a couple of years, I realized that my 
body was not reacting the same way as it had done five years, six years before when I'd had my first child. Um, and I found it a bit, a bit strange, given that I'd, you know, got myself into this health and fit industry. I was can't, couldn't lose the baby weight. Um, I was struggling to sleep. Um, I was really, really moody. Um, quite, I, I had this kind of like, couldn't be bothered attitude type of thing. And, um, and I just thought, what's going on? And I assumed it was post-baby hormones, even though I was 43. Um, and one of the main things, it really sounds horrible, but I, I'd stopped breastfeeding a year before and I was still lactating milk. And I just thought, this isn't normal. What's going on? Went to the GP, you know, they do the usual test. Everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. Started to talk to a, a, a local friend who was a nutritional therapist. Um, went into kind of depth about what was going on. And she basically said... I think you might be experiencing the perimenopause. And I went, what? I didn't really hear peri. I just heard menopause and thought, that's an old lady thing. That's not me. I've just had a baby. What are you talking about? Um, and the more she started to talk about what it was, the more I thought, oh, it does sound a bit like me. So I started kind of looking at it, into it from a an exercise perspective of, you know, what should I be doing? And am I doing the wrong things? And what is it anyway? And, and obviously it led into this whole, massive uh, it, it was not just about exercise it was about loads of different things um and I said to her this is disgusting women don't know about this and you know we're talking seven years ago now it's, it's a lot it is talked about a lot more now but then it wasn't so finding information was quite difficult um and her and I basically joined forces and started to do workshops together um her from a you know a nutrition and uh, stress uh, perspective and me from the kind of exercise um, arm really and then I ended up um, looking for more information um, the more and more I looked the more and more I realized that it probably was the perimenopause um, and I that, I mean that basically started my journey and I I then started working on me from what I'd learned from my workshops with her and all the the research that I'd done really. And then I just, I just thought, I can't believe people don't know about this. Yeah. Um, and they should do, you know, it's, 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 it's not really that different to puberty. You, girls spend years going through puberty and they spend years being moody, shutting themselves away. I mean, I remember it. Um, it was awful. And it's no different in terms of, it doesn't just happen overnight. It takes years, the hormones start to decline and you don't feel like yourself anymore. Your body is basically changing. Um, so I just decided that's it. Um, I need to tell people about this. Um, and it just went from there. Yeah. Really. I think we're kind of very similar, aren't we, in the way that we've come from um, a fitness background to then like finding that there's women out there that are lacking information in certain areas. Mine, obviously, with my with my journey with endometriosis to then helping other women to find answers in getting rid of, not giving rid of the symptoms, but easing the symptoms through living with endometriosis. And I guess you're the same with the menopause that you weren't given any information from any other sources. So you went out and searched for it yourself. And now in turn, because you've helped yourself with that journey, you're putting that out to other women. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's just, it, it, it's very individual though. You know, it's, yeah. I, there's a lot of women who look to see what everybody else is doing and then maybe jump on the bandwagon, but it, it's, you can't really do that. You have to look in. Um, yeah. because everybody's journey is like pregnancy like like puberty like anything in life everybody's yeah. journey is totally individual and so you have to really take that time to start looking at you 
and not really you know you know what we're like when we're younger it's like oh, what are you wearing on Saturday night well I, you know I'm a northerner as well what are you wearing and then you go in your wardrobe if someone's going well I'm wearing black shoes and then you're like oh shit you put your dress away that you've got out and start wearing what everyone else is wearing don't you, you want to fit in kind yeah. of doesn't work like that with menopause you you have to look you have to not worry about what everybody else is doing because what works for them might not work for you because it's just such a massively individual journey and yeah it's it's time consuming but it's it's not just for the menopause years it's it's for the rest of your life you know yeah. we will spend if we live till we're 80 we're going to spend the next 30 years in that post-menopausal kind of state period of, of having that time of now hormones are changed that's it we have to learn to live the next 30 years like that like we had to learn mm. at puberty to become a woman and live as a woman it's the same yeah, thing I think it's really interesting that you touch on the fact that it's it's kind of like going through puberty but the other end of it so it's like bookending your your world isn't it that you started off like this and we kind of forget a little bit about it because it's been years before that that happened Absolutely. you know when you're going through perimenopausal years it's like you're in your 40s most of the time and like being 13 14 seems such a long time ago that you kind of forget yeah. about those feelings but it was pretty horrific and those yeah. changes and those emotions and the, the the effects on the body that was happening. And it's kind of the reverse of that, isn't it, on the other side of it? Yeah, totally. And it's and unfortunately, as women, you know, men do go through puberty, but they don't have this because they can no. conceive forever. You know, it's like mm. not fair, is it? They don't get this huge, you know, downshift of of hormones like we do because it's the end of our reproductive cycle. That's basically what it means. You can't you know we can't conceive anymore so we don't need those hormones and the yeah, end they might have a, a midlife crisis you know for them it's called the andropause but it's not a, a jump off the edge of a cliff type of thing like mm. it's it's much slower um although you know some men might disagree <laughs> go out and buy a ferrari for a 50th birthday <laughs> if that's the case my husband's been going through midlife crisis for many years he keeps coming back with more motorbikes like why? <laughs> oh, no, well, yeah. no, you know. <laughs> yeah, probably. He's making up for some testosterone drop somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell him that he'll be happy. <laughs> so, Jackie, this this office show is is um, aimed at women with endometriosis, and it's kind of a yep. question that I'm kind of interested in as well, from my point of view as a woman with endometriosis. Now, I find that obviously I'm getting to a point in life where menopause is coming upon me as well. I'm, I'm very much into the perimenopausal years and a lot of people that I talk to are the same. But we get a bit worried with, again, because women I've worked with, myself, I've got my endometriosis on a level where it's under control. And then you start chucking the menopause into it and everything goes out of balance again. So do yeah. you know anything about kind of those kind of things of like if you've got a condition such as endometriosis, PCOS, and you get towards the perimenopausal years, is there anything that we can be doing that's specific to our condition? Or is it just the same for anybody else going through it? It's too individual. Um, I mean, I'm not an endometriosis specialist, but I mm. think I know that it's driven by oestrogen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and obviously, therefore, there are going to be massive um, things happening through the perimenopause. It's probably more the perimenopause time than the postmenopause. Yeah. You know, because once once you're through it, the estrogen levels and progesterone levels and testosterone levels are, are kind of flat line, if that's what you mean. They come yeah. to a flat line and that's the, that's your new level. But before that, they're fluctuating massively. And so what I'd say to people with endometriosis to be aware of are things like um, massive changes to periods 
um, especially yeah. if they're starting to increase and increase in flow. Um, and, and also if you then start to miss periods, which is also very common because everybody always thinks it happens in a certain way and it doesn't happen in a certain way at all. It's different for everybody. So some people start to have an earlier cycle. They had a 28 day cycle. It goes to 21 days and they become really, really heavy and only heavy for one or two days. And then that's it. Some women then start to miss cycles. And I think the issue with obviously having um, more cycles is you might suffer a bit more with that. One of the things that's been kind of you know, known to help a little bit with that is the Morena coil or Marina coil, however you want to pronounce it, which gives off a little bit of progesterone and can help to control those um, those periods. But, you know, like everything in life, it doesn't suit everybody. You have no. to go through a procedure of having it fitted. Mm-hmm. Once it's fitted, it lasts for five years. So apparently, you know, but it just doesn't work. Some people can't deal with it. Um, but that obviously is something that's there. And then if you go through a situation where you're missing periods, um, uh, you go through that series of if you're missing a period, then the the the, the middle time of your um, period where the corpus luteum normally erupts and yeah. you don't get the progesterone, you're then going to be a bit more estrogen dominant, um, which you have to be a little bit more careful with as well. Obviously, with endometriosis, um, I think one of the really, I think one of the things that people don't really think about when they think about the menopause is where estrogen comes from and how it how you get rid of it. Because we do have to, like everything, everything has to be flushed out of the yeah. body. Um, and it doesn't just come from the ovaries. It comes from fat cells. It comes from the adrenal glands. So obviously, the more weight you put on, the more um, estrogen you hold on to. One of the things that can happen if you're massively overweight is that your cycle stops. And that's because you can have too much estrogen in the body. So I think managing weight, um, managing, um, obviously, looking at the cycles, but really thinking about liver health. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that people don't, you know, you, you, you see all these things in the menopause about weight gain and, you know, osteoporosis and muscle mass, but not many people talk about a liver. Um, and not only is it affected by menopause, it's also affected with age. It starts to become less um, efficient. You know, there's like a 20% decline in its efficiency. So I think kind of having a little love your liver sign somewhere around the house. And, <laughs> and a lot of that comes with like eating a lot more fiber you know we, it's really surprising how much fiber we don't eat um especially when we get to uh, perimenopause postmenopause we need about 30 grams a day and if you look around at how much fiber there is in stuff you'd be like how do i eat that you know it is mm-hmm. it is it is quite hard so i've found things that are really high in fiber that i just chuck in my smoothies every day and that gives me almost half of my daily um you know intake of fiber that i need so i think those things I would say to women with endometriosis, A, to be aware of the periods, yeah. but also to really focus on liver health because it's just something that's not talked about. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, obviously, I've done work in this area for quite a number of years now and going into like menopause and researching a lot about it at the moment for my own personal reasons, I'm kind of finding that they talk a lot about in both areas of like lowering cortisol and keeping stress as low as possible looking after your gut, it kind of overlaps into the two of them. So I'm kind of thinking in my train of thought is that if women with endometriosis have already been doing this work beforehand, like with what I teach, lowering stress levels, getting your gut, um, you know, in a healthy place, eating, like you say, lots of fiber, I like promote lots of greens for women with endo, um, very clean living, um, I think there's kind of an overlap. So I think 
in my own perspective, if women are doing the work beforehand for the condition, then the overlap into the perimenopause should be a little easier because the work's already been started. Absolutely. I think, though, what what you need to be aware of as well is that there are changes to the like the lining of the gut as you go through estrogens just everywhere and absolutely everywhere and so it can affect your food sensitivities and all of a sudden the things you know you might have got to a third place where you say it's great I can cope with this I can do this and all of a sudden you can't handle brown rice anymore yeah or you can't eat you know wheat anymore Mm. or just because a lot of things done as you know about the whole bloating things just start to change and you're like why why is this going on and it literally is because your you know your gut lining is affected and it's it's having to make those so it's just being aware I think that if, if you say I've got my diet sorted, it can it can oh, change yeah. and it no. have to change. You might have to adapt, you know, yes. because um, you can't always just stick with the same things. If you're got all of a sudden says no, I don't like that anymore, mm-hmm. um, then you might have to find a different route. But it's it's not it's not necessarily a worse diet. It might just have to be swapping one thing for another that you can yeah. tolerate. A lot of women start to become dairy intolerant. Um, some become wheat intolerant. So and it's not necessarily. I wouldn't say that dairy is bad for you. In fact, it's you know, one of the best sources of calcium we can have for the bones. So it's 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 difficult if you do become dairy intolerant, but it, it is common. Um, and it's mm-hmm. also common to have, you know, issues with bowels as well. And um, and that's why gut health is really important. But I think yeah. being aware of that you can have changes in, in the in the gut and also, you know, looking after the liver are probably up there. Obviously, the periods, I think they're a bit more obvious, aren't they? Yeah. Um, that those things are going to change. Um but obviously you've got to you've got to just work with your body and listen to your body and and it's also knowledge of if I can't have this, what can I have instead? You know, trying to swap things in really. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like with work with endometriosis women, they they have food sensitivities anyway sensitivities anyway, because um it goes hand in hand. You always find that women with endo have um a lot of problems with bowels, with gut issues. So it it's again like I always say that it, generally it's because endometriosis is stuck on the bowel that's why you have bowel problems but like you're saying it will be that the estrogen is there as well or not there you know it's it's this sensitivity that we get and like you're saying that it probably will increase as we're getting towards the menopausal years and you just have to adapt to that it's not like that everything is set in stone that this is your diet and that's what you're going to be like for the rest of your life you have to adapt to that and that's kind of hard sometimes as a practitioner to to say that to somebody because they think they've got it yeah. sorted and that you've helped them get to that point. It's like, but no, it's not. It's not set in stone. We have Absolutely. to keep adapting. And once, like you finding that these things are irritating again, maybe you need to swap it for something else. Absolutely. And it can be I mean, quite you know, hard. If people have been doing the work, like you're saying, because they have those issues, um, they'll probably find they're in a much better place than than the. You know, I don't want to say the average woman, but you know mm. the women who do know nothing about it because you've had yeah. to kind of work at looking after yourself and doing those kind of things beforehand I think the um, mindset's already there as well isn't it absolutely and that is key you know mm. a lot of a lot of people just they don't want to do the work not prepared to do the work don't have time to do the work don't have time to do the research and I and I totally understand that but there isn't a one pill here you go have that pill and the menopause will end it yeah it just doesn't work like that. Which actually brings me around nicely to, um, obviously, there's loads of talk with menopause at the moment with HRT that, um, and obviously um, a lot of people will have watched the Davina programme, but there was a lot of talk about HRT. And in my opinion, this is just my opinion, but 
if it's right for some women, then why not? But there has to be other avenues that you can go down without the HRT. I mean, I'd say that to other women, but myself, I'd love to find other ways before going down that route. So what what, what are your thoughts on that? I think I totally agree. It's a, a it's a personal decision. Um, some women can't take it, so they don't have a choice. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they may have had cancer that's estrogen um, receptive or anything. Um, but I think also you have to be aware that it, it, it doesn't fix. It's a hormone at the end of the day. It's medicine, mm-hmm. um, which brings me to two things. One, it's estrogen and progesterone if you've still got, you know, um, everything, if you haven't had a hysterectomy. So if you've still got a womb, you still you need the progesterone as well predominantly um if you don't need testosterone of course as well but it it is giving your body back the hormones that are declining or have declined and that's it it doesn't Mm -hmm. replace um vitamins that you need it doesn't replace exercise it doesn't replace you having decent sleep and it might help with certain symptoms but it doesn't give you your muscle mass back it you know it can help to protect against osteoporosis but it can't like if you're totally fatigued or you're moody or um, you, know, you have to look at other things first. Well, is it because I've had a crap night's sleep? Mm-hmm. Is it because I had too many glasses of wine last night and I had a hot flush when I was in bed? Or is it because um, I'm having really heavy periods and I'm low on iron? Um, and what about my vitamin B12? What about my omega-3s with my mood? What about, you know, it's, it's kind of thinking diet and exercise, stress and sleep first and then... Yeah. I would always go down that route first. And if you're still left with issues, then have a look at it by all means if you can take it. Obviously, people with endometriosis, I don't even know if you can. You'd have to go and see a specialist because you're then putting the estrogen back in. But it's a very, very personal choice. Some people then, because it is medicine, take it, take it and can't deal with it. They can't deal with the side effects that it has because like everything, you know, it is medicine. And if you get out the little thing and talk about what the side effects are, and, and I know people say, talk about the whole breast cancer thing, but for the first five years, it's very, 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 very minimum compared to what, you know, the benefits are. But there are other side effects people don't talk about. It's only the the, the breast cancer. Some people get really bad headaches with it. Mm-hmm. They, they feel sick. Uh, they can't tolerate the progesterone because they're progesterone sensitive. Um, they get acid reflux. I mean, there's so many other things, yeah. that side effects that they have that people just don't discuss because it's all, you know, under the shadow of, of, of having breast cancer. Um, and they just might say, actually, I can't take that. It just doesn't agree with me. So there's lots of people who might not want to, who can't, it doesn't talk, they can't tolerate it. Lots of different reasons, um, but it is there. And I think at the moment, I think it is a little bit of a, like you say, with the Davina program, oh, that's going to fix everything. I'll have that, please. Yeah, you know, yeah it's and- kind of like marketed as like, take this, it's gonna solve all your yeah. problems. Yeah. And like you say, it's not as simple as that, is it? There isn't a pill just to, it's like with, you know, we've like worked in the fitness industry, like take this fat burning pill. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. They really work those, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's just take a pill and forget all the rest of the hard work that you need to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, I think I'm with you on that, that it is a choice that women should have, you know, that it's there if they, if they want to go down that route, but you know, as people that are in this kind of industry we have other areas that we can help with too absolutely I think the main thing is that I think what women need to understand is that some symptoms are not all related to estrogen and to look down the route of well what else 
could it be? You know, I, I've, I've read so I'm, I'm members of so many Facebook groups and I've read so many things about, you know, people saying, oh, I went for my 10K run and oh, I was so tired and I, I can't get as fast as my other times. And then everybody, you know, people reply as they do trying to help. Oh, it's probably perimenopause or it's this or it's that or it's this and that. And I just said, I said to her, how did you, how's your sleep recently? Oh, it's mm. been rubbish for two years. And then you're like, well, I expected to run a PB or run 10K as well as you did however many years ago when you're not sleeping. Like yeah. it's, it's obvious, but people like, don't think about that. No. It's, it's almost like the easy solution is, is overlooked and everyone looks for the, you know, the more complicated answer, which is not, it's just right there in front of you. You need to sleep better. And, and, and as we age, as we know, we need longer to recover. Our mm. cells are aging. You know, if we were 20, I mean, I remember at uni, I used to be able to go to bed, have a night out, three o'clock in the morning, get up at nine, go to a lecture. I'd be like, hey, this is, no way could I do that. And I'd probably do that two or three nights on the trot. You just can't do, no. it's the same with exercise. You can't do that anymore. You know, you start to do high-end, high-intensity exercise or you know, big weights and long runs and those, you need longer to recover. You can't just keep getting up and doing it all again and again and again because our cells, basically every single cell we have is aging. It isn't just about estrogen, you know, they are also getting older and they basically need longer to recover. Yeah. But it's, I, I think people are in denial in their 40s, aren't they, about getting older? Oh, I don't <laughs> want to get older. <laughs> but unfortunately, it is like, it is what I call a shit storm. It's, yeah. And especially women in their 40s, not only are they dealing with all this, you know, up and down of hormones, they're getting older. They don't really like getting older. They're starting to look older. They don't like that either. And they've got probably kids to bring up, older parents to look after. It's just all all yeah. in this like, little pot, you know, of, of bubbling up. And it's just, um, I think that's the one thing that I always try to say is, what about you? Mm. What are you doing for you, you know? Because... Um, one time, one day they will just kind of fall down and not get up one day because they'll just be so yeah. exhausted they can't deal with it all anymore. That's it. And I think women do take on so much, don't they, these days? I mean, like you're talking these days, it's like dead old and everything. But um, <laughs> I am dead old. <laughs> I feel dead old as well. But anyway, um, <laughs> when um, you look to like kind of our grandparents' generation, they didn't have a career. They yeah. were at home bringing up kids. That was their full-time job, which I'm not saying is an easy job either, but they didn't have the extra stresses that women right now have, do they? No, and most people had their children a little bit younger. You know, the, the average oh, age yeah. of people having kids is getting older and older and older. So the kids are still at home. You know, when yeah. my mum went through menopause, I'd gone. We'd, we'd both gone. Just, yeah. you know, the, the only way I knew is because I'd go back home to stay for a weekend and she'd be like, oh, can you open the windows? It's boiling in here. You know, all that kind of <laughs> That's it. That's, I didn't know anything yeah. else because we weren't even there. Yeah. So it's, but now they are, and a lot of people have got teenage kids, and you know, then you've got that brilliant clash of menopause and puberty. Hey, hey. <laughs> and, yeah. and lockdown, and lockdown. Yeah, Woo! yeah. Extra layer to the. Uh, <laughs> to Absolutely. The yeah. Absolutely. So, Jackie, if someone came to you with Paramount Perimen- gosh, it's one of those words, isn't it? It's like endometriosis, perimenopausal <laughs> symptoms. And yep. um, where, where would you actually start with them? Where, where would your first kind of area of, of looking into that be? Where, where would you start in helping somebody? I would, I would ask them about their, like, why? Why do you want to ask, their, ask them their why? Because if they're not willing to kind of even go there to change, there's no point. So they have to be on that 
you know, I used to do that whole um, uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs thing, and then what, what, where are they on that on that thing of you know needing stuff? And and if they're not in that in the right mindset, there's no point because it no. is not going to be easy. So I'd first ask, are you ready? And then I would start really with, how is your sleep? What do you think you're, I mean, trying to ask about somebody's stress levels is very difficult because yeah. they might not think that they're stressed. Um, and also, I don't think people understand that there's not just, I think people think of stress as they're just going to, you know, blow up or whatever. But actually, there's physical stresses that, that yeah. they might be putting on themselves, i.e. too much exercise, dieting is a physical stress on the body, yeah. the body doesn't like it, you know, calorie massive calorie restrictions is a stress on the body. So I'd ask them about their stress, but in a way that they might not know that I'm asking them yeah. about their stress, you know, because there, there might be other things going on that they don't class as stress, but I'd definitely go there. Um, I'd probably leave, to be honest, the exercise until last, unless they were doing things to make things worse. But you, you get to that when you when you start delving into like sleep and then they say, oh, so I go to this hit class at nine o'clock at night and you're like, what? And then you're expected to go to bed and sleep. It's like yeah. not going to happen. So I'd kind of start probably um, with the sleep and the stress and not because it's the easiest to sort out, but it's it's probably the quickest because, um, mm. you know, when you start to go talk down the nutrition route, it's you could go on for years, couldn't you? Yeah. Um, and I'd start there. And I also I think people are very... Um, less le not less open but a bit more scared to go down the nutrition route because it is a bit more hard work and it and, and a, a lot of people are setting there like they have their foods that they like and that's it they don't want to change and that you know mm. all they think is going to take the things that they love away from them and that's a bit scary you know it's like I'm gonna take my ice cream away or my coffee or my booze and you're like no I'm not going to take it away but we kind of need to know if there are things that you're doing that are making things worse and you know that yeah. kind of thing but I would probably start with sleep, because that to me is the one thing that people don't make a connection with. Yeah, I think it's a great place to start because yeah. obviously, sleep, like you've explained lovely, most um, beautifully in this um, this talk that we're having, that it affects everything, doesn't it? Yep, weight gain, uh, immune system, mood, yeah. uh, energy levels. I mean, absolutely, your gut it affects your digestion. All of this yeah. stuff happens while you're sleeping, mm. and I think people aren't aware of that. Um, no. So I would start there because also it's it's like a little medicine. It is really a little medicine. Having good sleep is is paramount to everything, and even your food choices. You know, yeah, we've all been out. We've been out, had a skinful, got up the next day, and we all want chips. It's <laughs> it's just like that that rubbish food choice. Ah, let's go to the greasy spoon, and you know it's. <laughs> It is. It's so true. The choices that you make are so wrong as well. And it is all affected. You know, they yeah. say that having lack of sleep is equivalent when you're getting and driving in a car to having like a pint or two of lager or, you know, booze and driving because yeah. you're that, it, it, your brain is just not where it's meant to be. And the cognition's not the same. Everything just starts to um, be affected by it. So I would, I would definitely start with that. And, and obviously, hormones start to affect sleep massively especially mm. you know night sweats and stuff like that um but I, I just think a lot of people don't don't put that connection they they are everybody will start I'll tell you what happens mainly there's a little pattern they're gaining weight so they go and diet which is another physical stress on the body and they do loads more exercise which is another physical stress <laughs> on the body and nothing happens yeah and then they're not sleeping 
And you're like, right, okay, let's put those two to one side and let's start with the sleep. Because the, the, as we know, the fit, by the way, happy National Fitness Day. As we know, it's aimed at the 18 to 35 year olds, which is like, let's go hard, go this, that, let's do this every day. And it's like, no, 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 that's not right for us. Yeah. And, you know, if you can't sleep properly, you can't train properly. And you need no. to think about really that first, um, in my opinion, anyway. Exactly. And it brings me on nicely, actually, to um, when talking with like women, especially, um, I talk a lot about cycles, working with your cycle, not against it, you know, being very in tune with your cycle. So when we go through menopause, yeah. obviously, we stop having the bleed. So that actual yeah. indication of our cycle is gone. But do you believe that we still have a cycle, even though the bleed is not there? Uh, no, not. I don't. I don't think post menopause. Right. Once you've kind of got to that little flat line thing. No, I don't. Okay. I think that you can still be having um, hormone fluctuation cycles yeah. in perimenopause, even if you miss a bleed. Yes. And that's why we say to track. I mean, and we're talking about, you know, perimenopause can be anything from two to 10 years. Yes. Um, so I would just say track, even if you're not having cycles or your um, cycles are very, very irregular and you're missing two or three, still track. Yeah. Because you will probably still find that in those times that you're not not bleeding, there's still something going on with your hormones. Yes. But I'm not. I'm not convinced about postmenopausal. I think they get to a point of um, having a new level and kind of stay there, unless something kicks kicks it out of whack. Yeah. yeah, I think that's probably what I was getting at, that the postmenopausal years, once the bleeding starts to slow down, that there are still cycles happening. Um, and I always tell women to track at least three months worth of, like, what your mood's been like, um what um you know if you are having spotting when does that happen all of these things I, I say to note down and see if there's a pattern still that's going on because you might be still having a cycle but it might be like 40 days and not 28 it might be 60 days and not 28 and yeah. women kind of start getting a bit panicky about that that I don't know when my cycle is but you will know when your cycle is if you track it over a, a period of three months you will start to see patterns still yeah absolutely Absolutely. Do you use an app? Do you recommend an app for that? Like, um, yeah. Um, I mean, I use Clue personally. Um, I either recommend Clue or Flow. Right. Um, and that, you know, you can track a lot of things with that, like your mood, sleep, digestive system, all the rest right. of it. You can you can track that on there, which, again, you know, you can print that out and see where it, it's happening. Are they free apps or do you pay for those? No, they're free apps. You can pay and like get a more advanced version, but you, you can do whatever you need to do just on Brilliant. that. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I'm a, a massive advocate of tracking lots of things. Mm. And with symptoms, I would say um, tracking, even if you're, you know, you stopped having a cycle for two, two months, three months. Absolutely. I think pre-menopause anyway, um, or, you know, in that perimenopause situation, definitely. And I would say even for a year or two, after you've stopped your last period because yeah. you still kind of might be this stuff going on, rumblings going on and things like yeah. that. But I also try and advocate for women to track their food for a week or so um, and to track their sleep. And it's not, yeah. when I say tracking sleep, it's not like let's wear a thing on our thing and tell us how many hours of good sleep we've had. It's about tracking what you've done that day, what you've eaten and what you've eaten, especially just before you go to bed, um, 
what what have you done like towards that bedtime what time did you wake up did you wake up during the night because they'll probably find that certain foods help them sleep better yeah um uh, doing things at certain times in the day drinking coffee I know it's really obvious to most people yeah. you know, to most people but some people it doesn't bother although they think it doesn't bother but it still has an effect yes, on your absolutely. sleep yeah I always question that as well if somebody's saying to me that yeah. they're having a coffee like after the dinner in the evening at like eight o'clock yeah. I'm like mm, I'm not no, convinced I, that I that's agree. not not affecting you I am an advocate of stopping at midday. I mean, I love my coffee. No way. If you said to me, you're not having coffee anymore, I'd knock your head off because I'd just be like, no way. <laughs> and I, but I am a, I'm a coffee snob. I have one a day or two sometimes, but always before 12 o'clock. Mm. And, it, and it's just tracking things like that. And because again, people don't put that connection or even tea. And this, you know, there's still, there's still um, caffeine in tea. So yes. even tea, it's not just coffee. Um, and, I, and I just think that tracking, it just gives you, it, it can give a lot of people that, oh, wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. And, and it's funny because when you ask people to track their food, you give them like a diary and you go, I'm not going to look at it. They look at you as if this, you can see in their brain going, right, what can I miss out? What can I leave out of it? Or what can I, what can I change before I write it down? And you're like, no, 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 no. The whole point is that you do it you now it. with what you're eating. Now, you can't change anything unless you know what's going on right now. I'm not going to look at it. So I want you to track, I want you to just write down what you have for breakfast, what you have, and then compare that to what we say, your, or how we say that, you know, mm. your plate should look. Are you eating half a plate of vegetables with every meal? And how, are you at mixing in your protein and your carbs all in the same meal rather than just, you know, eating a bowl of pasta with some cream sauce and no veg and no, you know, it's it's all that kind of thing. And yeah. then they, they start to make that connection. So I think tracking's Absolutely. Brilliant. I completely agree with you there. But well, we could talk all day. We could talk all day, and I would like I would I would like very happily talk about this all day because I'm so interested in it. But um, just like before we we log off, yep. to you've got a, a book which I have. I'm holding oh it. Oh my gosh! Um, I bought it, yeah, and um, it's very interesting. So I'm going to put the link to it in the show notes. So this I would recommend having a look at with everything that Jackie's talked about today and more. She goes into a bit more detail about hormones and how they work and all the rest of it. Um, such great tips in there. So I'm going to put that in the show notes link, as I say. But um, Jackie, anything that you can point our listeners towards to maybe read, to look at, um, people to follow? Uh, I would say I've got three books that I read that really helped me, but obviously it's a very personal thing. And books, like everything, are personal, aren't they? Absolutely. I read um, a book called Menopause, The One-Stop Guide by Kathy Abernethy, who is a, she's kind of a, a specialist menopause nurse. And she's also the chairwoman of um, British um, uh, Menopause Society. She was there when it started in 1980, whatever. Um, that's really good from a medical perspective, but she does talk about a lot of lifestyle stuff and the resources uh, that she's got in the back are amazing for things like, uh, you know, PCOS or early menopause and loads and loads and loads and loads of different things. That's really good. Um, but for me, I really liked um, Menopocalypse by Amanda Thieb. Obviously she's the fitness kind of, um, not guru, but she, what I loved about her is she's Northern as well. So I kind of get her way of, um, speaking and her sense of humor and her wits it's, and it's basically no bs right that's the way she speaks <laughs> but it's a very personal journey and I love yeah. reading I love I'm a very story person I love listening to other people's stories so you get involved in her life and her story and she's um 
I think she can't take HRT, so that's really good. And yeah. also she gives you a lot of kind of fitness things in there. But the one for me that I concentrated on was um, the XX Brain by um, Dr. Lisa Moscone. And that's because for me, uh, the symptoms the, that were worse for me were the brain symptoms, the main, the, the, the mood, the anger, uncontrollable anger at the flick of a switch. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the memory, the brain fog, all that kind of stuff for me. Everything else I kind of got underhand under control should I say but I couldn't I couldn't do the brain thing so I bought um her book and she's amazing she is like a female uh, neuroscientist who just studies the female brain okay. and she found that, yeah, that the male brain and the female brain they don't look any different the main difference though is how they function is about the hormones because the connections obviously go from the brain that down to the um, yeah. ovaries and, and everything else and the main difference that happens between men and women is we have the menopause where our, you know estrogen is affected and that's a brilliant book um because I'm also a little bit well not a little bit very scared of getting dementia it's the one thing that that terrifies me um because knowing me I'll be like yeah I was really fit and I'm strong and I've got good muscles in here and then I'll, my brain will go <laughs> and then it doesn't matter how much I've been helping my body does it if the brain's gone um but that was an excellent book um okay. and she gives really good tips about um other supplements that you can take if you don't want to, to take the HRT route, but you do have to be really careful as with all supplements. Some of the herbals are actually, you know, powerful yeah. and they can affect other medicines as well. Okay. But she does say that in the book, but I loved that one. That was brilliant. Fantastic. So that's about everybody else that you kind of followed on your journey. So where can listeners find you? Uh, I, I'm only on Instagram really. I don't tweet. Um, I don't even know what the other thing, I don't do TikTok. Um, I'm not really a, <laughs> I don't mind making a fool out of myself, but I'm, I can't, I can't get onto TikTok. Um, but I am on Instagram as, as my name, Jackie Secchiore Menopause. Um, yeah, I don't, you know, I post lots of kind of um, tips really about, at the moment I'm going through like menopause and the, and you know, how it interacts with the thyroid, menopause and the gut, menopause and uh, weight gain. It's just kind of some of the things that I think people are struggling with, but yeah. And, and you can talk to me as well and you can chat. Fabulous. I'll, I'll add that again into the um, show notes at the bottom if listeners want to find you. So, Jackie, is there anything else you'd like to leave us with before we log off of this episode? Um, I think really, I just want to say, like, live your best lives and and like live it to the full and have fun. Yeah. You know, like I think every most people take life really seriously, and at the end of the day. You, you know, when I kind of make my decisions about what I want to do, I do think to myself, when I'm lying there and, I, you know, in my last breath, do I want to say I'm really pleased that I, you know, uh, did X, Y, Z? Or what What will I want to remember? What will I be pleased that I've done? And for me, it's just knowing I've done the best that I can and laughing. You know, I absolutely love a good laugh. <laughs> and I think there's not enough of it around at the moment. So even though, yeah, we are going through menopause, it's just a transition. It's a journey. Love it. And um, and and I think the main thing is is connect with other women because yeah. honestly, the, the the main thing that's helped me was knowing that I wasn't on my own and hearing everybody else's stories, but having a laugh about it. Yeah, you know, not taking it too. So seriously. important. You're so right. Yeah, connection with other women about this is just yeah just yeah. the the way to do it I mean for me my mum died when I was young so I've got 
I've not got that benchmark. I don't know how, you know, she went through it because they say that if your mum is being through it, that's chances are you'll go yeah. through it the same way. I haven't got that um, to look to. So I've been talking to loads of women and yeah, the laughs that I've had and, and it is, it just makes it feel like it's, it's a little bit more light than sometimes it feels, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Lighten the load, share the load, chat exactly. to others and just, yeah, you just got to fi- find, find your tribe, find someone that, that gives you, you know, that, that feeling of feeling good. And the people that don't, sack them off because you don't need them. <laughs> Love your logic. Love it. Well, thanks so much. It's been amazing talking to you. And thank you for all the tips and advice you've shared with the listeners today. Um, and look forward to making more connections with you in the future. You too. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Take care. Thanks, Michelle. Bye. Thanks for listening to Endo Matters. I've been Michelle Brooks from Desired Physique. If you have a question you'd like me to answer, please drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram or email me at info at If you like what you've heard and have found the information useful, please subscribe to the podcast on the platform you are listening to. Also, if you have enjoyed the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcast. Endo Matters is recorded and produced by Strength in Media.